0: Hey Church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the Connections and Group Pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Well, amen. Uh, can we just, uh, that was a beautiful song. Can we just give Caroline Ann? Carol Ann? I mean, thank you, Carol Ann, for blessing us. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Frontline. Uh, if we have not met, my name is Blake. I have the privilege of being the executive pastor of the Zero Collective. Uh, zero Collective just a network of churches in West Michigan is sold out uh, to see zero people remain unchanged by Jesus. Frontline is a big part of that. In fact, Zero Collective was birthed out of Frontline. And so uh, this is always home when uh, you, you ever been away and like... Uh, you're just gone for a while, and then you get home, and it's like your own bed. Yeah, just, uh, you ever have that feeling? Like, am I the only one here? Uh, the, uh, you feel that? And it's like, that's what frontline feels like. I just come home, you're just like, oh, this just feels so great. I love being here. Uh, so as a way of introduction, because I haven't been here in a while, it's been a hot minute since uh, I've been had the privilege of preaching here, so uh, I thought I'd do a little introduction. My wife Kim and I, uh, we've been married 36 years this year, which was a huge blessing for us. So yeah, it was a big year because we, we also just turned 40 this year, so it was... Uh, it was a very big year for us. But uh, 2019 was a big year for us. 2019, our youngest son, Seth, got married. And so we welcomed Megan into our family. She, uh, she was our first daughter-in-law in there. So uh, love to have them. Uh, they uh, were the first of the marriage. We had another marriage just on the heels of that. Our oldest son also got married, Tyler, to Christina later that summer. So we got two daughter-in-laws in one summer. Uh, but not to be outdone, our youngest daughter, also got married that summer. And so 3 we have four kids. Three got married in one year. So uh, if we could pass the plate real quick, I'd love to catch up on some of those finances uh, that uh, took me out. But you guys know, things happen in marriage, right? And this little guy showed up uh, this past spring here. This is Tyson Lee. And so Tyson is actually the third uh, grandson of my oldest daughter, Shelby, and her husband, Mike. Uh, And then two weeks later, this little girl showed up. Princess Charlotte Ann showed up. So two grandkids in a matter of two weeks uh, joining our family. But wait, two weeks later, (laughs) (laughs) Sophia Marie showed up as well. So I'm not quite sure if my kids are talking about these things or not, but you know, uh, it's kind of a little oversharing if they are, but anyway, uh, I'm happy because grandkids are a blast. Uh, we're in a great part of life. I think I got a picture of all three of them. As you can see, all three of them, we were all together just recently there. So as you can see, nobody's missing a meal, right? They look at that. We have, we have chunky monkeys in the Hicks family, okay? That's what we have. One last picture, uh, indulge me here. Here's my whole family, all 17 of us, uh, so... It started out just Kim and I, it seems like. And then all of a sudden, here we are at a lake, uh, taking a little R&R, just enjoying each other's company. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed some time with family and friends this summer. I hope you've taken some time just to get away and to relax. Uh, Michigan summers are awesome. Are they not? Are they just a great summer? But uh, it is so important just to take some time away. And we're not alone in that, because we're going to look at that in just a moment. But we're in a series uh, throughout all of the Zero Collective called Kingdom Culture, and we're looking at all the parables of Jesus. And so today we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower and the seed. And we're looking at it from Matthew's perspective, so it's going to be in Matthew 13. If you have your Bibles or your phones or device or whatever, you can start making your way to Matthew 13. This, guy, uh, this story is actually found in three of the four Gospels. So if three guys thought it was important to write down, I think it's important for us to kind of take a look at it as well. And so let me give you a little context because it's always weird coming into a middle of a passage and you're like, hey, I have no idea what's happening here. So in Matthew 12, Jesus is traveling throughout the towns of Galilee and he's doing what Jesus does, right? He's healing people, uh, he's performing miracles, people are coming into a saving knowledge of who he is, but he's also, you know, rustling the feathers of the religious elite. And so that religious elite are the Pharisees, and so... Uh, it's, it's funny to say this, but the Pharisees of the day are similar to the pastors of today. So, like, I would be considered a Pharisee. Pastor Cody and Pastor Denise and David, I mean, we would be Pharisees in that time frame. But all of the Pharisees back in there, not all of them uh, didn't believe in Jesus. Some did, but if you grow up and you're taught one thing, and then somebody comes in and they just turn everything around, uh, it's going to ruffle your feathers. And so these Pharisees, they were just dogging on Jesus all the time. The ones just trying to get him trapped, trying to prove that he wasn't who he said he was. And man, Jesus is just beaten up and taken down. And Because he is fully God and he's also fully man, uh, Jesus decides to take a little R&R. And so that is where we pick up Matthew 13. So let's take a look at this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Does that not just sound like the best? I mean, Jesus in Michigan. I'm going to go out of the house and I'm going to go sit by the lake. I just want to be by myself. Don't let all these Pharisees, don't let all these people bug me. I just want to go and sit by the lake. If you're looking for a new life verse, might I propose that same day Jesus went out and lake. I tried to do the WWJD thing. I, I went out by Sabbath Lake. Those two little yahoos in the back, my grandsons decided to go fishing. If you've ever been fishing with kids, you know that isn't relaxing. So I tried a little WWJD stuff, but it didn't work for me. But anyway, Jesus goes out, and he goes and sits by a lake. And then what happens? Let's pick it up. Large crowds gathered around him so he got in a boat, and he sat in it while all the people stood on shore. So get this, okay? you got to picture yourself. You're Jesus, been dogged by all these Pharisees, dogged by those people. He goes to get away, goes to go and sit by the lake. I just want to just sit by the lake. And then all the people come, and he hops in a boat, okay? How many of you, like me, would be tempted to just, like, take the boat across the entire other side of the lake I, I, that'd be me. I'd be going and saying, like, man, I just want to get away. But that's not Jesus, right? Jesus loves people. He's got a message, he's got a plan for them. And so this is what he does. He says to this, he talks to him in parables. He says, This is what it says A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. But it sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. It goes on, it says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plants. And then still other seed fell on the good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So here's the thing about spreading seed. When you're spreading seed, you're spreading seed, you don't really know the soil density. You have no idea is this good soil or is this bad soil? You just don't know. You're spreading seed. But can you take it from a guy with the last name Hicks? Okay, last name Hicks. Seed won't grow where seed don't go. Okay, seed won't grow where seed. You got to spread the seed. Jesus is telling this parable to the disciples and he's bringing it home to them. They grew up in an agricultural society at this time in history, and they would be very, very familiar, the people and the disciples, of a sower sowing seed, a farmer sowing seed. In fact, many of the roads that travel between Jerusalem and Galilee all along uh, in the Jordan Valley there, those roads are all crooked. And why are they crooked? They're crooked because they go around people's fields. So they would see sowers sowing seed. Now, in those days, it was typical to see them. A a sower would have on like a leather satchel and have a hand or put his hand in there. He'd grab a thing of seeds and he'd just start chucking it, okay? Then, no, we didn't have any John Deere tractor measuring soil density. He didn't have all the technology that we had today. But he just threw seed and he threw seed. And the people of this time, they knew what a sower was. If you've ever been to Israel, if you've ever been to the Jordan Valley, you'll know this, that literally anything can grow there. I mean, they've got banana plantations, they've got fruit farms, they've got cotton fields, you name it, it grows in the Jordan Valley. And so this is prime, prime soil. And Jesus is telling this parable to these people and telling them to the disciples and saying, like, the sower went out to seed, to sow seed. And they're all listening because they know what a sower is. But here's what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't qualify who the sower is. We don't know anything about this farmer. We don't know anything about this sower of seed. He could be a great sower. He could be a terrible sower. He could be a so-so sower. But he's a sower of seed. I took some of you a little longer on that one, okay? First service got a little quicker. He's a sower of seed. That's what he is. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Seed won't grow, or seed don't go. So Jesus brings it home. He talks to them. The disciples are listening to this, just like you and I. And he says this to the disciples. He's, the disciples come up to them, to up, come up to Jesus, and they ask Jesus this question. And it's a question. It's a fair question for all of us to ask. They says why, why do you talk in parables? Why do you tell these funny little stories? Why do you just kind of like beat around the bush? Why don't you just tell us what we need to know? Instead, you tell these stories and we're left confused. And, and Jesus, being Jesus, Jesus says this to him. He says, he says, um, he says, well, there's a lot of people who have ears who never hear and a lot of people who have eyes who simply don't see. And then Jesus quotes this random passage uh, from Isaiah 6 about the knowledge and secrets of heaven. I don't know if about you or about me, but uh, if, I'm, if I'm a disciple, if I'm listening to that, I just ask Jesus a pretty simple question like, hey, why do you tell these stories? Why, why don't you just tell us what it is? And Jesus gives this weird explanation like that. Now, it's a question I think that's fair for all of us to ask today as, as we're listening to this because, you know, the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us, Right? So why does Jesus talk in parables at all? Does Jesus want to be clear? Does Jesus want to be confusing? Does Jesus want us to get it? Does Jesus want us to just not understand it? What is the purpose of a parable? We're in this series called Kingdom Culture looking at parables. Why are we even talking about parables? Jeremy Grinnell, who's a great friend of the Zero Collective, and just a, just a really wise guy. He just, I mean, super smart. And uh, he had this to say about this. He says, I offer that Jesus wishes to be clearly understood in his parables. And he speaks to that effect. Parables are intended to produce understanding. And if a parable is not understood, the defect is in the hearer, not in Jesus' way of teaching. So what Jeremy is saying there is like, there's not a problem with a parable. It's not the problem with Jesus. The problem is with us, it's the problem with the disciples. Are we willing to listen? Do we want to dig deep? Because here's, here's the truth if we're honest with ourselves, and if the disciples were honest with themselves at that point, aren't we always just looking for the easy way? Don't we want just the smooth path? We don't want to make too many turns. We just want to go. Just tell us what it is. Don't make us think too hard. It's a Sunday for crying out loud. Don't make us work too hard for this, Blake. Come on. We just want to know it. But Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to talk in a parable because stories are powerful. Stories are what you remember. Some of you are probably going to remember the stories of my grandkids today. I hope you get more out of it than that but stories have a way of getting into our heart and getting into our mind, and we remember them. Jeremy goes on to say this. He goes on, The selection of a parable as a teaching method is actually one of the most effective means of producing understanding in the mind of a what? Willing listener. Key word there, willing listener. Were the disciples willing listeners? Are you and I today willing listeners? It requires us to go a little deeper. It requires us to get into it a little bit. But if we do, man, there's some truth in it. There's some truth in it. Jesus, he goes on to talk to the disciples, and he says to this, he says, he says, Blessed are you because you see, and blessed are you because you have ears and you hear. Truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, and they didn't see it, and to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. So it's at this moment that the truth of this parable is realized. Again, this parable wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. Who was it written to? I would contend it was written to the disciples. I would contend that Jesus is talking strictly to the disciples. The crowd's there on the shore listening. But Jesus says, blessed are you guys, because you get to see. Blessed are you guys, because you get to hear. And there's going to come a time, and Jesus is going to explain the parable to them in just a little while. But blessed are you guys, because lots of people, lots of prophets of old, everybody wanted to know this. But you guys, you get to be in my presence You get to understand what I am saying. You get to do life with me, Jesus says. And if we're any followers of Jesus in this room, we get to follow along with this parable and learn some truths about it as well. Because seed won't grow where seed don't go. Seed won't grow where seed don't go. So, There's three different aspects of this parable, and I want to go over each one of them real quick here. Uh, We have three components. They start with S, so that'll be easy for us to remember. We've got the sower, we've got the seed, and we've got the soil, right? So in this parable, we have the sower. Who's the sower in this? The sower is the people who understand God's word. If you today, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, if you aspire and live a life following Jesus, you, my friend, are a sower. Now, you may be a great sower. You might be not so good a sower. You might be a mediocre sower. But make no mistake about it. If you claim to be a Christian, you are a sower of seed. So that leads us to the seed. What is the seed? The seed, my friends, is this right here. This is God's word. 66 books, written over 1,600 years, 40-plus authors, prophets and kings and peasants, ordinary people like you and I, all come together and write one book with one message. And that message is God's love for you, and God's love, his message for me, his love for me. And how he's calling us back to himself. That's what this is. This, my friends, is the seed. Makes no mistake about it. We've got the greatest seed. Amen? This is the greatest seed. It's a hybrid seed. There's no fault in the seed. Sower, the seed, the seed's awesome. Okay? So that leaves us with what's left. And that, my friends, is the soil. And who's the soil? The soil is the people, the hearers of the word, who don't know Jesus yet. That's what the soil is. At one time, we were all different soils, if you think about it. You were a soil, I was a soil. We were hearers of God's word, but yet we didn't understand it. We are soil, or we were soil at one time. Today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a sower. But here's the thing with soil. Here's the thing with soil. Many of us have people in our lives right now who don't know Jesus. People who we pray for regularly. People in our family, our friends, our co-workers. People who just don't know who he is. And we as sowers, what we end up doing is we end up taking the responsibility of the soil upon ourselves. Can I just offer to the extent that relieve the pressure? The soil is not your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. The soil, my friends, is God's responsibility. He tends the soil. But you know what we end up doing? Instead of t- being a sower, we end up being a soil inspector. That's what we end up doing. We see people and we're like, look at them, and we say, you know what, that person right there, I don't. Surely Jesus doesn't want me to go to that person. Surely He doesn't want us to. Many of us are great soil inspectors. We discount, we disqualify, and simply discard people because of either something they've done to us or maybe they haven't done for us. Are you a soil inspector instead of a sower? I'm a great soil inspector. I, I look at people. And man, I already decided in my heart, like, surely God doesn't want me to go plant a seed over there. I mean, that's some rocky soil. There's no way God wants me to go over there. Are you a soil inspector like I am? Let me tell you about my neighbor. We'll call him John. His real name is Jeremy, but I want to protect his identity. So his... <laughs> we'll call him John. John's hard, okay? John's gruff. John's... Rocky soil. He's hard. Uh, John has cussed me up and down uh, many a times for things I don't even know, but his language is quite colorful. I've learned words I didn't even know. And so, John is hard soil, in my opinion. Uh, surely, God doesn't want me to go speak to John. Surely. I mean, there's no. God wants me to go speak to Shane. Shane's wife makes me cookies at Christmas, okay? I should go speak to Shane, okay? But God calls me to go plant seeds with John. And here's why. What would happen in John's life if he came to know Jesus? What would happen in his family if he came to know Jesus? What would happen in his work environment if he came to know Jesus? And bring it home to me, what would happen in our neighborhood if John came to know Jesus? Jesus. I'm a great soil inspector. I discount and disqualify people all the time, but he didn't call me to be a soil inspector. He called me to be a sower, because seed won't grow where seed don't go. Seed won't grow where seed don't go. Let's take a look at uh, uh, at the rest of this parable that Jesus talks to. He gives the disciples uh, the understanding of this parable, and uh, he doesn't do this with all the parables. But he does this this one. He says to him, Hey, here's the meaning of this parable, so you guys get it right. He says to them, He says, Listen to what this parable of the sower means. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away even what was had been sown in his heart. This is the one where the seed was sown beside the road. He's telling the disciples, and he's telling you and I today that, you know, there's gonna be rocky soil out there. There's going to be times where you're sowing seed, and you know what? You don't think that it's ever going to germinate. You don't think that anything's going to happen with it. It's just throwing seeds on rocks, and nothing really grows on the rocks. But he says, you know what? Don't give up throwing the seed. Don't give up sowing the seed because you know what? Maybe, just maybe something might happen on that. My neighbor John, I'm just praying that that maybe, just maybe one of those seeds hits. Maybe just one of them catches. We'll never know. But Jesus tells us today, he says, you know what? Don't give up. You, you, my friend, are a sower of seed. Let's go on to the second soil. The second soil. I call this the shallow soil. Uh, The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes before, because of the word, they quickly fall away. I call these people the wow people, okay? Maybe you know some wow people. Maybe you are a wow person. And you're saying, what is a wow person, Blake? Here's a wow person. A wow person has that moment with Jesus where they come to know and understand him and they put their trust in him. And things turn around in their life. I mean, you see it. As a pastor, I've seen that happen to people. And all of a sudden, they catch fire. And you're thinking like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is great. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden something happens. And they fall away. They fall away. And as a pastor, can I just tell you, that's pretty disappointing. That's hard. That's hard to see people like that. I have a hard time being cynical sometimes uh, when I see a baptism service, maybe at Frontline or at one of our other Zero Collective churches, and I see somebody go in and come out of the water, and I'm thinking like, I want to celebrate. I'm thinking like, this is awesome. Your life is being changed. I have high hopes, but there's just that little voice in the back of my head, that cynical voice that's going like, I wonder if they'll last. I wonder if they'll be here six months from now. I wonder if they'll be here a year from now. Not that they have to be within that church, but I wonder if they're following Jesus in that time. Those are some, some of my disappointments. I, I, I remember going to our senior pastor, Brian, and I said to him, he's been in ministry much longer than I have, and I remember talking to him and I said, Brian, you know, how do you, how do you love these wow people? How do, you, how do you get through that? I mean, it hurts sometimes when you see people just dig in and then they just fall away. And I'll never forget, he says, you know, Blake, it's your responsibility to love them whether they're here or whether they're not. And whether they stay or whether they leave because of something you said or something you did or something that the church did, that is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to love them when they're here. And I thought about that answer, and I thought, that answer stinks. That's a really stupid answer. I mean, like... Really, I mean, can't we just burn them on social media? That would be a lot easier. That's kind of what I want to do. I just want to stick it to them, you know. I invested his time in you, and then, like, this, nothing happened. But, you know, Brian's right. Because there's times when we've all had a wow moment, maybe, in our life. And did Jesus give up on us? Did other people give up on us? He just says, keep sowing seed. Keep sowing seed. Because seed won't grow where seed don't go. And you, my friends, and I, were sowers of seed. Let's go on to the third one, the next soil. The third soil, I call this the fruitless soil. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Uh, Let me suggest to you in the first two examples that we looked at here with the rocky soil and the shallow soil, uh, we really didn't have a plant. Okay, in the rocky soil, we had no germination. There's really no plant there. And in the, uh, in the shallow soil, we had a plant, but it just kind of like up and down, so we really didn't have any roots. This soil, this soil, man, we got a plant, okay? But we got a problem as well because the plant's not doing anything. And what are plants supposed to do? They're supposed to produce something, right? Something produce a flower, produce some fruit. That's what a plant is supposed to do, but we've got a plant That just does nothing. Now, I'm a little afraid to say this because I'm going to offend some of you today. But sometimes it's okay to be offended in church a little bit. I'm going to say that in a majority of our churches today, this is the kind of soil that's represented the most. The soil that, oh, it's still a follower of Jesus. Those people are going to be with us in heaven. Make no mistake about that. They'll be with us in heaven. But they're just not doing anything in church. They come. They smile. They're part of it. They'll say, yeah, great on Sunday. And then Monday, nothing happens. Or Tuesday or the rest of the week. This is the fruitless soil. My friends, God produced us as a plant to produce fruit. That's what we're supposed to do. As believers of Jesus Christ, we are called to produce fruit. That's our role. That's our goal. That's our purpose. That's what he created us to do. Jesus says in there, he says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Jesus says, I've made you so that you would come and that you would bear fruit. I didn't make you so that you would come and just sit and be a plant in the side of the house there, just this green plant that does nothing. I made you so that you would produce fruit. We're sowers of seed. That's who we are. God called us to sow seed. And when seed hits, and man, when it hits and it produces a plant and that plant produces fruit, oh my goodness. That, my friends, that is some great stuff. And that's where we get to the last one here. We get to the last, the good soil. The seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and they understand it. This, this is the one who produces a crop yielding 100 or 60 or 30 times what was sown. You know people who are fruit producers, I'm sure you've seen them in church, and you're like, man, those are some awesome people. People that just aren't just sitting here, just coming on a Sunday morning, just producing no fruit. But there's people who have got the vision, who have caught it, and know their purpose, and are producing fruit. That is the goal. When we hear this parable, the first thing that as we look at uh, these four soils, first thing that comes to mind is to self-identify. And going like, I wonder which one I am, right? I wonder which one I am. Am I the rocky soil? Am I the shallow soil? Am I the fruitless soil? Or man, am I the good soil? Can I just tell you that throughout my life, uh, I've been represented in each soil. There were times, man, I was the rocky soil. (laughs) I mean, I was the rocky soil. I'm sure people were planting seeds in my life, and I didn't want anything to do with it. And they probably thought, man, that's just a waste. That's just a waste. That's a waste. But maybe it wasn't. There was a time when I accepted Jesus, and man, I got caught into it. Man, I was on fire. Things were just going great. And then something happened in our church. And I says, man, if that's how the church treats people, I don't want anything of that. So I was the shallow soil in that respect. And I'm ashamed to tell you how many years I came to church and I didn't do anything. I just came. I was fruitless soil. But then there was a time when things caught. When all of a sudden it just kicked in and it realized, I'm supposed to produce fruit. That's what God made me for. I think back in my own life, I go back to one of my earliest memories. I was in first grade, uh, and I wasn't the easiest of kids, okay? I was not the easiest of kids. And this will show my age a little bit, but I was in first grade in a public school, and I remember the teacher holding onto my arm and holding me after class. And I thought I was in trouble, because a lot of times I was, (laughs) okay? I thought I was in trouble. But she took my arm and took me to her desk, and she sat me down, and she prayed for me. She planted a seed in my life. Fast forward to uh, fifth grade. Um, I was going through some emotional stuff, uh, just weird stuff. I was sick a lot from school, basically because I just didn't want to go. And I remember my mom, every morning, taking me and we would kneel in the living room. And she would pray with me before I would go to school. And she planted a seed. Remember, fast-forward to junior high, and that's just awkward years, isn't it? Just awkward years in the junior high. And I remember my coach, Mr. Boris, taking me after practice and casting a vision of what maybe life might look like for me. And he planted a seed. And I fast-forward to my high school years, and I wanted to date my wife. Uh, We met in high school. And uh, I went over to her house, on a Sunday for a date, and her parents said, oh, wonderful, you can come to church with us. I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> but they planted a seed in my life. And I fast forward to years later to my mother-in-law, who, uh, who has since passed, who saw something in me that I never saw myself. And I know that woman prayed... That woman prayed more for me than I prayed for myself. She never got to see me be a pastor, but she prayed I would be. She planted a seed. In your life, as you take inventory and look back at the history, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you think back, whose faces come to mind? Whose names are on the tip of your tongue right now? that planted a seed in your life. You are a sower of seeds. That's what you are. Aren't you thankful that somebody took an interest in you and didn't hold that seed? But they spread it. You, my friends, are sowers of seed. And seed won't grow. Where seed don't go. So my question is, where will you go? Where will you go? Will you be a planter of seed? Don't be a soil inspector. Go out there and plant the seeds that God has asked you to plant. And let him worry about the soil. And then watch the fruit multiply. Amen? Amen. That's true. heavenly father lord thank you for who you are thank you that you are a god who doesn't give up on all of us that you are a god who continually seeks after us and you are the great farmer lord you call people to yourself we get to be part of that so thank you for that privilege of being part of that Lord, we don't want to be just fruitless soil. We want to be sowers sowers of seed that you have called us to be. Help us, Lord, to sow your seed well. There's nothing to be ashamed of of your seed. It is the best seed. Help us to represent you well. I pray this in your name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.